Can I just tell you something, church family? I love worshiping with you guys. That was some uh, wonderful singing, and I just um, am so thankful that we're together as a church family uh, singing and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ together. Aren't you? Can we just thank God for what we've experienced so far this morning? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, when we were singing, um, I'd rather have Jesus. I've never sung it that way before, have y'all? Yeah, I, I guarantee you George Beverly Shea never sung it that way. I looked over at John. I looked up to John. I said, this kind of sounds Irish, doesn't it? He goes, yeah, I, I feel like saying top of the morning to you. But uh, anyway, um, Robert, thank you so very much. Praise team, thank you all as well. I trust you got your Bibles with you. Turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be looking this morning at the second statement Jesus made from the cross. You recall two weeks ago, we started this series called Words from the Cross. And the very first statement that Jesus said from the cross as he hung there for me and for you, dying on the cross, not for his sins, but for ours. He was on that cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they have no idea. They do not know what they're doing. And we oftentimes don't do it. We have no idea what we're doing. And, and Jesus is there praying for those that never ask for forgiveness. But yet he says, Father, forgive them. And how the Greek is written, according to people a whole lot smarter than me, the way the tenses of the Greek and how it was written in the Greek, Jesus didn't just pray it once. Hey, Father, forgive them. It was a repeated prayer. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And maybe a few minutes later, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So there again, he prayed that prayer for people that never even asked for forgiveness. So let me just say this before we get even further into the message. We, we are no more like Jesus. We're so much, we need to be like him in this regard. And that's to offer forgiveness to those that hurt us for those that harm us, for those that do things that, um, that just break our hearts, that not only break our hearts, but break our family's hearts as well. When I was um, a kid in RA camp, and hey, by the way, in just a couple of weeks, um, we're starting on Wednesday nights, RAs and GAs. Isn't that great? It's good for me, because not only are we able to disciple the kids on Sunday nights, but we'll be able to teach them missions and disciple them as well on Wednesday nights. So I'm really excited about that because RAs to me was very, very special in my life. 1982, as a 10-year-old, uh, I was saved at RA camp. And then a couple of years later, uh, felt called into the ministry. I had no idea, Trey, what that looked like. Scared the mess out of me. And the older I got, the more I ran from that call into the ministry. But the song that was sung every Every camp or every, yeah, every summer camp had one particular theme song that lasted throughout the whole camp. I know those counselors were tired of singing it by the time summer was over. But the, the year that I surrendered or I felt God calling me into the ministry, the, the theme song out of the Baptist hymnal was Because I Have Been Given Much. And Bill, I don't never remember singing that song as a kid in my home church. I think I asked them to sing it once. They had no idea how to play it and all that stuff. And my mother was a pianist. But it was a song we never, we never sang growing up. But the opening stanza was this, because I have been given much, I too must give. So if we can just kind of play with the words a little bit to make it appropriate for this message and for what Jesus said, those first words from the cross, was because I've been forgiven so much, I too must forgive. Oh, man, we need to emulate Jesus when it comes to forgiveness. But that was the first sermon that we looked at two weeks ago. Today, we want to look at the glorious conversion of this thief on the cross. And we read about this over in Luke chapter 23. Don't you know, don't you know 
that this thief that was repentant on his deathbed, if you will, how excited he was to know that, that, hey, at my death, I'm walking on streets of gold. Don't you know he was glad that he trusted in Jesus right before he died? And I just want to tell you this morning, you may be here, whether you're here or whether you're watching us online, it's either today or at some point, you may be thinking, well, man, it's too late for me. You have no idea, preacher, what I've done in my life. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for you to give your heart to Jesus. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today you can have your sins washed away. Today you can believe in Jesus. You can, you can have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not too late for you. Amen? It's not too late. So let's talk about these men and this man in particular that was repentant upon the cross. Two men were on the cross. If you think of the images, even on the screen here, you see the three crosses there, Jesus and two thieves that were nailed to the cross with him. Matthew 27 tells us that all three of them were nailed to crosses just like that. And the crowds began to hurl insults at them and, and the religious leaders were part of that of the day. And, and if you're like me, you think of a cross like that, you think of that old hymn on a hill far away, so an old rugged what? Cross, yeah. And, and oftentimes when we sing hymns or we, we come to the scriptures with a preconceived notion that that's what it was like, um, maybe, but probably not, because the crucifixions back then in Jerusalem always took place outside of the city gates, and, and though you had the the you had Gordon's uh, Calvary's, the, the hill in the background, most crucifixions took place on street level so that in, in their humiliation and as they're dying, just losing all of their faculties, talk about embarrassing, as people were on the cross, if somebody, if one of those criminals on the cross had done something to you or they had murdered a family member or something, you would have the last laugh, if you will, if you could stomach it. You could walk up to them while they're on that cross at street level and hurl insults at them as well, saying, you're getting what you deserve. So here we are at the cross. People were denigrating Jesus. Soldiers were mocking him. Religious leaders were as well. But one person, right at the, the ending moments of his life, expressed faith in Jesus. One was enlightened by the Holy Spirit. One was convicted of his, of his sin and of his need for, for salvation. And one repented of his sin. And right then and there, he expressed faith in Jesus. And right then and there, Jesus did what Jesus was born to do. And that was to save lost people like me and like you. Hey, can I tell y'all something? This is not paradise, right? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But this world is not paradise, right? Now, now there are some places that are almost paradise, right? And, and, and if you're like me, you're probably thinking of that love song back in the 80s, almost paradise. Y'all remember that? I know some of y'all are good Baptists, but I know some of y'all danced to that song back in the 80s. It's one of those love songs you slow dance to. Y'all don't look at me like y'all so holy. I know y'all did that. I did the same thing. <laughs> this is not paradise. But if you believe in Jesus, just as this repentant thief right before he died believed in Jesus, you will find yourself on, in, in paradise. <laughs> you know, when you start to think about the crucifixion and when you start to think about the death of Jesus, someone has said there were really four thieves involved in the story. There, there's four thieves involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, you say, you're saying, well, wait a minute, I, I think there's just two. No, in the whole story leading up to the crucifixion, there's four. We read in the scriptures that Judas was a thief. 
We read over in John 12, verse 6, that, that he would often steal from the, from the money box, from the treasury. And then we read about Barabbas, and Barabbas is the one that Pilate released to go. And in Barabbas' place was Jesus. Mark 15, 7 says that Barabbas was an insurrectionist. And then if you read over in John chapter 18, we're told that he was also a thief. And then you had this rebellious thief that was on one side of Jesus, hurling insults to his dying breath. And then you had this repentant thief who received Jesus upon his dying breath. So we want to focus upon these two men, and in particular the latter one, as the question that I have for you this morning is a question that these two men had to answer when they were on the cross, and that is, what are you going to do with Jesus? You're either going to reject him or you're going to receive him. And that's the question I have for you today. Whether you're here or whether you're online, what are you going to do with Jesus? Will you receive him or will you reject him? You got your Bibles open by now? That's a long intro, isn't it? Y'all with me? All right, thank you very much. Luke 23, let's pick up at verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your precious word. Lord, I pray for um, this particular moment that we have to, to dive into your word this morning. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher Lord, as I often pray, may I not say or do anything that will take away from what you want to accomplish in this place today. Lord, thank you for um, every precious soul that is here. They are just precious, Heavenly Father, in your sight. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that they will draw the line in the sand today and they will choose you and they will receive you as their Lord and Savior. So, Father, speak to us now, we pray. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. So today, this is what Jesus says to this thief that's repenting of his sins. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. There again, aren't you, don't you know how happy he was to know that the moment he died and took his last breath this side of eternity, he took his first breath in heaven, if you will. So I want you to notice a couple of things about these two men, one that received Jesus, one that rejected Jesus. So, so first of all, note this with me. Note the rejection of salvation of this one particular thief on the cross. And I want to say something here that I hope you won't shut me down. But instead, just hear me out. And, and if anything, hear my heart. And I think you will hear the heart of Jesus as it beats through the pages of, of his scriptures, of his word here. So what I want to say to you that might unsettle some of you there can hear me out it are these particular words if you will you can say no to God you can you can say no to Jesus and you can say no to the promptings of the Holy Spirit you see God's not going to make you get saved he's not going to get you in a head grip and say you're going to believe in me right now he's not going to do that he's a gentle and loving God and and you can say no to the promptings of his spirit he created you in his image isn't that great? 
you're seating beside someone that's created in the image of God. And, and he created us in his image, and part of being created in his image is the ability to choose. And, and we read all in Scripture, we, we read how at one particular time, before, before Satan was cast out of heaven, that there were some angels that aligned themselves with Satan, and when they aligned themselves with Satan, it wasn't because God made them, they chose that. And then Satan himself was once an angel. His name was Lucifer, an angel of, an angel of light. Boy, I feel like I'm in a light right now. I'm not an angel, though, am I? <laughs> Do you see my halo? Right, right. At one time, Satan, who was an angel of light, Lucifer, one of the most beautiful of all angels, in his pride wanted to usurp the throne of God. He wanted to be worshipped in the place of God. So God cast him out of, cast him out of heaven. It was, it was Satan's choice to do that. Then you got Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they choose to do? They, they chose to disobey God. On and on and on I can go. So therefore, I can surmise that, that because of, of free will and of our choice, we can choose to say no to God. Look at verse 39 here. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? If you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. It's, it's hard. I don't know if it is for you, but it's hard for me to somehow comprehend what this man's heart was toward Jesus I mean how in the world while you're dying can your heart be so hard you know while you're on a cross how, how in the world can your soul be so calloused yet yet this is what I'm told I'm told that at the point of your death at the point of your dying as you're lying on your deathbed if you will death just kind of magnifies what you really were in life I mean if you're if you're a devil in life, you're going to be more of a devil in your death. If you're a hellion in life, you're going to be more of a hellion in death. Death just kind of uh, exacerbates or multiplies how you once lived your life. And all of your walls of inhibition, everything just comes crumbling down whenever you're at the point of death. I believe that's where this man was, this unrepentant thief. I believe he was at a point in his life where he just didn't care anymore. All of his inhibitions had gone. And what, if anything, he was scared about what was going to happen to him whenever he died. He had no clue. He didn't know what was going to happen. And he was afraid. And I wonder if I'm talking to somebody like that today. And you're just afraid about what's going to happen if I die. I mean, we're not promised tomorrow, are we? We're not even promised this afternoon. And there could be somebody here or somebody watching this online and you're just like this thief. You're, you're wondering, what, what's going to happen to me if I die? Hey, the beautiful thing about being a Christian is you don't have to wonder. The moment I die, I know where I'm going. I'm kicking up gold dust, as Adrian Rogers once said on the streets of heaven. And I can't explain it all, but, but I know that's where I'm going to go because I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Paul says, I die daily. I pick up my cross daily. So, hey, here's another thought. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you already died. You died to your old way of life. You died to your old sins, and, and you become, you, you put on Christ. That's why, that's why Paul said, I die daily. I pick up my cross daily, and I follow Jesus. <laughs> but, but not so for this particular man, and therefore he was, he was scared. I, I think he was kind of like a lot of the Jewish people back in the first century. They really wanted their idea of a Messiah was not what Jesus was offering. They wanted more so of a return to the Davidic kingdom when Israel was, was prominent, if you will, the prominence of Israel. So Jesus said, hey, my, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus actually said that to, to Pilate. And this thief, however, 
I think, didn't want that particular type of kingdom. He, like a lot of the Jewish people at the time, wanted another Davidic kingdom. So he says, if you're the Christ, if you really are the Messiah, save yourself. And by the way, save us as well. And Jesus knew he had to be one or the other. He could either come down, come down off that cross and save himself, or he could stay on that cross and die for you and for me. And that's exactly what he chose to do. Aren't you glad he chose the latter? Aren't you glad he chose to stay on that cross? So this one particular man represents those who reject salvation. And if you've never made a decision for Jesus, you've made a decision to reject Jesus. So, so, so here's what people say. People say, God is love, and oh, he is a God of love, right? He is. And then some people say, well, hey, eventually everyone's going to be saved. Uh, no. No. <laughs> There's people that think that, but we don't see that in Scripture. Jesus never said that. In fact, Jesus said only a few are going to be in heaven. We read over in Matthew's gospel, enter by the narrow gate. This is what Jesus is saying. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are what, church? There are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So really, according to Jesus, only a few are going to be in heaven let me just tell you this not not everybody is going to heaven this is going to be a shock not everybody on church rolls are going to heaven only those who sincerely have had a change in their heart a change in their soul that know Jesus Christ that have given their lives to him whose lives are evident by the fruit of the Spirit, who, who, are, who exhibit John 15, 6, they abide in him. Those are going to heaven. So, 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 so I want to just share this with you before I move on. What does the Bible say is necessary about salvation? What does the Bible have to say about salvation? Well, first of all, the Bible says that people are sinful. I know I'm your pastor, but guess what? I'm sinful. Ain't that right, Trey? Trey's sinful too. We all are. Every single one of us are sinful. We're just like this criminal on this particular side of Jesus. We're all spiritual criminals, if you will. The Bible actually says this. Hold on to your pew, or seat, rather. I tell you what, when we were singing one of those songs, I I missed the pew being in front of me because I like to kind of, you know, beat it as we sing. And I think I'm always right on cue, Robert, as I'm beating. But anyway... This is what the Bible says. The Bible says we're all sinners by nature. Those precious little children you have in your arms, what a cute little sinner they are. Yeah. Oh, look at that precious little baby. He looks so much like his daddy. What a sinner he is. We're all sinners by nature. Ephesians 2, 3, by nature we're all our children of wrath every single one of us that means you and me we're all children of wrath we're all dead in our trespasses and sins we are all born with an evil nature we all inherit original sin from our ancestors and you say well surely you're not talking about me you better believe i'm talking about you i'm talking about me as well we all are born with a sinful nature but not only are we sinners by nature y'all with me say amen if you are Not only are we sinners by nature, but we also are sinners by choice. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53 says that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each each and every one of us had turned from from, from his own way. And and, and we're, we're sinners by nature and by choice. So this thief made a choice. 
Up to his dying breath, he made the choice to reject Jesus. People are sinful. But I want to tell you something. Even though people are sinful, God wants everyone to be saved. I mean, God just didn't go to the cross for some. He went to the cross for all. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And the Bible says over and over and over again that he comes for every single one of us. I, I love this particular portion of God's word from 1 Timothy. <laughs> this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people, not some. Y'all see that? But all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So over and over again in Scripture, we see that God loves the world and he desires for the world to come to him in faith and repentance. He never created, this is good, he never created anyone for whom he did not die for. He never created anyone for whom he did not offer salvation. And the reason this thief didn't get saved is that he chose not to get saved. The bread of life, the door of heaven is on the cross next to him and yet to his dying breath, he rejects Jesus. So I say that to say this, if you go to hell, it's not because that's where Jesus is sending you. He doesn't want you to go to hell, he wants you in heaven. If you go to hell, it's because you're simply choosing to reject Jesus. Don't be like that particular thief. So, I, so before I move on to my next point, just know that people can reject the grace of God. But if not for the grace of God, guess where I'm going? The hell. Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Oh, he wanted Jerusalem. He wanted the people there to be in heaven with him. You know, the scriptures record what Jesus said one day. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen who gathers her broad under her wings and you were not willing. God's not gonna override your choice. You either accept him, accept him or you reject him. You've got a sin nature. You can say yes or you can say no to Jesus. And most people, many people, too many people, Reject what Jesus did for them. There again, I remind you of this verse. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy. That way leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many, but the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Exactly what it says. Most people too many people are on the road to hell and it might be paid with good intentions and folks that should bother us it should break our hearts but there again if not for the grace of God that's where we're all heading right so it ought to make some of us that are kind of leading mediocre Christian lives wonder whether or not we're really saved so let me just ask you some questions here that I want you to answer in your heart do you really love Jesus has there been a time in your life when you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior has there been a time in your life when you repented of your sins seek him I beg of you seek him before it's too late you can reject Jesus but then I want you to notice this repentant thief on the cross if you will so let's talk about this request of salvation so, and, and let's think about this thief who at the dying moments of his life said yes to Jesus the Bible says in verse uh, 40 that the other rebuked him saying do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation we indeed justly for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds so he's acknowledging hey we deserve to be up here but this man has done nothing nothing wrong don't you wonder how he said that last phrase 
I mean, having to push himself up in excruciating pain because of nails in his own hands and feet, saying, Jesus, save me. Don't you wonder how he said that? Remember me, save me when you come into your kingdom. I think what we see right here is that this man is owning up to his sin. He realizes he deserves to be there for his sin and for the way he lived his life. And at his last moment, he says, Jesus, save me. One man's cursing Jesus as he's dying. One man's receiving Jesus as he's dying. So it begs the question, as we look at these two men, what's necessary for a person to be saved? Hey, is it becoming a member of a church? That's when we all say, no, right? Say it with me, no. Hey, do you need to be a member of a church, of a local church? Yes, and, and I believe we can prove that from Scripture. God wants you to be a part of a local fellowship so you can grow in your faith. Well, that's a sermon for another day, but, but you, don't be, you don't be saved by joining a church. Hey, is it being baptized? No, very good. I was going to ask y'all that, but y'all jumped the gun, so uh, y'all are an above-average congregation. Yeah, it's not being baptized. It, not even a form of baptism saves you. But baptism is a picture that you are saved. And the first step of your obedience to the Lord is to be baptized. Is it just to have faith? No, because some people put faith in the wrong things and in the wrong people and in the wrong little gods, if you will. There's only one God and his name is Jesus, yeah. So to be saved, there's a couple of things you gotta, you gotta do. And the first thing you gotta do is this, you gotta repent of your sin, not somebody else's sin, your sin. You gotta own up to your sin and you gotta repent of your sin. Uh, hey, let me tell you this story. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of funny. I could really make a joke about this, but I'm not. Some of you will, Mitch. Some of you might make a joke of this. But anyway, not me, I'm not gonna do that. But in January 2013, a lady by the name of Sabine Moreau She's 67 years old. She's a Belgian woman. She was driving to pick up a friend in Brussels. So from her home to where her friend was in Brussels was 90 miles. To go from Aiken, South Carolina to Columbia, South Carolina is about 64 miles. You say, how do you know that? I drove it for years. And our first son was, we were living in Graniteville. He was born in Columbia. So I really made that trek pretty fast, pretty fast there. So she went 90 miles. She was supposed to go 90 miles from her home to pick up her friend that was living in Brussels. But based on faulty directions, see, this is where you could make fun of this, but I'm not, I'm taking the high road. Based on faulty directions that she blames on her GPS and her car, she drove all the way to Croatia, a thousand miles away from where she's supposed to go. And, and she blamed it on a car's GPS. The journey took her over five international borders five not just one five <laughs> she stopped several times to get gas and to take naps and to eat but she kept on driving till she got to Zagreb the capital of Croatia now after a few days of not hearing from his mom the son got word and said hey he got got a hold of the cops and said you got to help me find her and they tracked her down by looking at her bank statements where she had withdrawn money from and where she had used credit cards she told a Belgian reporter who finally was interviewing her she said this I got distracted you think <laughs> really? <laughs> she said, I saw all kinds of signs, first in French, then in German, finally in Croatian, but I continued driving because I was distracted. When I passed Zagreb, I told myself, perhaps I should turn around. There's a Hebrew word for that, duh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have y'all picked up on my personality a little bit? Pray for me. That's what repentance means. It means to turn around. It means that you might be walking in one direction in your life and you might be singing the old Toby Keith song, it's all about me, I'm doing it my way. Or if you're from another generation, you're singing the old Frank Sinatra song, I'm doing it my way, right? But repentance means that you're doing about faith. And instead of you living your life your way, you're gonna start living your life God's way. But the problem is so many people don't wanna repent. I heard about an evangelist who was often away from his home church but whenever he wasn't preaching at another church he was always at his home church and it just hardly never fell whenever he was at his home church when the invitation was given he found himself at the altar Beth and and he was praying and some people had this attitude about this evangelist that whenever he was home he always seemed to go to the altar to pray some said who in the world does he think he is he's not any better than us great time of day the preacher's already gone too long preaching and there he goes down there to the altar he's extended the invitation we y'all know how some people can get not y'all i know but some people can get that way so some old chap asked the evangelist one day why do you do that now nobody else is responding during the invitation you're the only one that always seems to go down whenever you're here and and you're always going down to the why, why do you do that every time you come to church with us and this is what the evangelist replied I go to the altar because I don't want to be like y'all. Hmm. He believed the evangelist. He believed that he needed to be at that altar. He needed to be one-on-one with the Lord. He needed to answer to God for his sins. Most people don't want to answer for their sins. That's why I think we have some people that are atheists. They don't want to have any answer to God. Listen to this. The moment they die, they're going to answer to God. So you repent, you do a U-turn, and you begin to live your life for Jesus. But not only should you repent of your sin, you've got to believe in Jesus. Don't believe in Buddha or Hindu or whoever else. Believe in yeah, Jesus. That's right, believe in Jesus. You've got to believe he died on the cross for you. As that old Southern Gospel song said, when, when he was on the cross, you were on his what? Mine. So this, this man, this penitent thief, expressed faith in Jesus at his dying moments. He believed Jesus was truly the Messiah, and, 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 and he says, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. He understood what Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Paul says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you've got to repent of your sin, not somebody else's. Repent of your sin. You have got to believe in Jesus. And then you've got to do this. You've got to receive Jesus by calling on him through prayer. And he's crying out, this thief is, I, I, I love to hear people pray. I love to hear some, some prayers that, that are just so long and beautiful, but then I love to hear a child pray as well. Simple, sweet, maybe to the point. <laughs> And this man just simply cried out to Jesus, remember me, and Jesus answered that prayer verbally. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So I'm asking you this morning, is that where you're going? Notice um, he didn't pray a sinner's prayer like we often lead you in praying. He doesn't, hey, can I just say, God doesn't listen to the words you pray. He listens to the heart. People have prayed sinner's prayers. People have been baptized people have joined churches and yet they never were right with jesus in the first place there's never been any fruit in their life because where there's fruit there should be proof that you've had a change in your heart 
So when you repented in your heart, you believe in Jesus, you receive Jesus. We read over in John chapter one, these words, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hey, you're looking at a child of God. I hadn't arrived yet, but you're looking at a child of God. You gotta receive Jesus by calling on him in prayer. And Romans 10 9 and following says this if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be what church saved yeah I'm glad you said that for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved and then verse 13 says for everyone everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so you got two thieves on the cross one that rejected the offer of salvation one that received the offer of salvation so let's end this morning by talking about the reward of salvation and i'll be as quick as i can Look, again verse 43 is the second statement of jesus jesus said today you would be with me in what paradise today if you know jesus as your lord paradise is waiting for you and, and that's something i love about the scriptures because we, when we read god's word we ought to know this for me and for you if you know jesus as your lord and savior heaven is guaranteed it's guaranteed don't y'all want to just say that it's not just guaranteed it's guaranteed right i mean years ago i heard about a man that said lord save us all when we get to heaven you don't have to wait to wait you get to heaven to figure out if you're saved or not because if you know jesus heaven for you is guaranteed jesus says truly truly i say to you whoever believes in me has eternal life that's john 6 verse 47 first john 5 13 jesus says i write these things to you who believe so that you might know that you have eternal life heaven for the christian is guaranteed but not only is heaven for the christian guaranteed heaven says as well heaven's immediate and the moment of your death you're going to find yourself the next moment in a place called heaven Jesus says, today you would be with me in paradise. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. Yes, we are a good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I do know this. Whenever I die, heaven for me is going to be immediate. And I'm going to see Jesus. And I'm going to see family and friends that know Jesus as well. Some, some think, well, you're going to have some soul sleep going on. No, there's no such thing. The Bible never talks about soul sleep. But if you read in Scripture that those in Christ are, are somewhat sleeping, if you ever read that kind of terminology in Scripture, it just tells us that when it comes to heaven, heaven's a place of rest. No chaos that's going to be in heaven. So heaven's guaranteed for the believer. Heaven's going to be immediate for the believer whenever you die on this side of eternity. But then thirdly, heaven is Christ-centered. Today you're going to be with me in paradise, Jesus says. Y'all know what makes a worship service a worship service? What makes a worship service truly a worship service is if it's all about Jesus. I don't have to be here. Trey doesn't have to be here. Robert doesn't have to be here. Diane and, 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 and Larry and Daryl and his other brother Daryl, they don't have to be here either. Y'all can tell I'm from the 80s, right? Yeah. What makes a worship service a worship service isn't the songs that we sing, but whether it's all about Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures for forevermore heaven 
is going to play, be a place where Jesus resides. John 14, 2 and 3 says, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Some of the translations say, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, can I just tell you this? Whether it's a room or a mansion, it's going to be heaven. Amen. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare for you a place up there with me. And of course, I paraphrase that. Heaven is christ center, And then lastly, heaven, man, it's, it's indescribable. I know you, you probably have your Bible still open to, uh, to Luke, but I've got mine marked, so I'm gonna beat you to it. But over here in Revelation 21, this is, this is what John, Jesus gives us a glimpse of heaven. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and, and folks he's trying to put into, into our words what he saw and, and I can just imagine how hard it was for him to do that he says I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God don't you love verse 4 chapter 21 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away I'm glad former things one day things that we live now through are going to be passed away one day so let me just ask you this what's your final destination we got to close what's your final destination have you received Jesus or have you rejected him? I mean, he, he's done it all for you. I mean, he literally has done everything for you so that you could be in heaven. I want to close with this old hymn, and I know I'm not a musician like, like Trey and Robert, but most of you know this old hymn. It was in the Baptist hymnal, right? It was probably over even in the Broadman. Y'all remember that one? All right. But if you know this, sing it with me. I'm going to sing off key. But, uh, but you know what? Sounds like heaven to Jesus. But if you know this song, sing it with me. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunge beneath that flood let's pray father god how thankful we are that there is a cross and because there was a cross there was blood that was shed lord i thank you lord that because your blood was shed as our perfect sacrifice that all of our sins were washed away Lord, I thank you that because you were willing to stay up on that cross and each of us that were in this room today were on your mind. Lord, I thank you that you made a way for us to be at home with you in heaven. 
you know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, someone has said that on Calvary's Hill, one man died in sin and one man died to sin. That's the repentant thief. And then one man died for sin and that's Jesus. And he died for your sin. That's how much he loves you. And more than anything, Jesus wants you to be saved. He went to the cross so that you could be saved. And I want you to know this morning, you can be saved. But today I'm asking you, you've got to either accept him. And if you do not accept him as your savior, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you into salvation, but, but we're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised the rest of this day. So today can be the day of your salvation. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. More than anything, he wants to save you. It's why he went to the cross. So that you might have your sins forgiven. So that you might have a relationship with him, not only here on earth, but in heaven to come. Father God, I have no idea what you're going to do as a result of us being in your word this morning. Lord, I pray as I often do. That there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray they'll come to Jesus today, that they'll walk the aisle. There's something important and dramatic about leaving the seat and humbling themselves, walking down the aisle to see me or Trey and to say, hey, I want to make sure I'm saved. I want to make sure I'm going to be in heaven one day. I want to make sure Jesus is my Lord and Savior maybe Lord there's somebody here today and they've just kind of wallowed around in their sin maybe they've departed from that close relationship that they need to have with you Lord I pray today as a result of our time together they'll they'll be drawn back to faith and their walk with you will be a close walk and perhaps Lord there's somebody here that would just like to be a part of a local church that loves you and that wants to see your kingdom come in our community Lord, if that's the case, draw them here to our church. So, Father, as we sing our last song, would you move in the hearts and in the minds of the people gathered here? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, Trey and I are going to be down front as we stand and as we sing. And if God's laid a decision upon your heart, you respond as God leads you. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing that same song. We already sang the first verse, so let's jump into the second verse. It says, the dying thief that we just preached about. Rejoice to see.
that are here, I think that they're here, but Lord, um, if there's one that still doesn't know you, they don't know where they stand with you, Lord, please don't let them leave this campus until they talk to me or Trey or Robert. We want to make sure that, that they're saved and that they're going to heaven. Lord, you paid the way for that. You're our perpetuation for our sins. And Lord, we thank you that in your grace, um, you saved us. In your love, you saved us. Father, we love you, and we thank you for what you've done through Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. 